presents An Armor of Light, the sermon by the Rev. Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, December 1st, 2019. Let us then put aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Holy wisdom, come and be with us and over us and within us, as together we seek your way and will, for surely you are our light and our salvation. Amen. Well, Happy New Year, all you church nerds. Today is the first Sunday of the church year, the first Sunday of the season of Advent. For those of you who like to follow along at home, it is year A, and there are assigned readings. You can find one for every day if you want it. And according to tradition, this first Sunday in Advent is the Sunday of hope. It seems apt in these times of division and anxiety that we, be, that we would be searching the scripture, our tradition, our community, and our own hearts for sources of hope, for an infusion of the kind of inner strength that hope can give us in confusing times. And by hope, we don't, we're not just looking for cheer that decides to ignore the evidence, everything we see in the world. We don't need blind, cockeyed optimism. We need a deep, down deep in the bones sense of security and a vision, a vision that includes how the world actually is and how the world may yet be, how it could, how it shall be. Isaiah gave the people of Judah such a hope. He began his prophecy, in the part we didn't hear today, with fierce words of challenge and condemnation about the shape that his world was in, about his moment in history. It was akin to our moment in history with division and anxiety and hatred and fear. But he continued in his prophecy to the people almost immediately with the vision we heard today of what could be, what yet shall be. These words of promise and beauty are also for us and they describe a time when the tools of war will be turned into tools of nurture and sustenance. Swords will be beat into plowshares. Most of us don't use either tools of war or plowshares, but think of the tools that we do use that sow division. Twitter and Facebook. Those tools, too, will be turned to tools of nurture. Any tool that we use to harm will be turned into a tool for community and sustenance and human thriving. In that time, that vision that we hold forth, the people will no longer even learn how to make war. And the many sides will not just decide it's no longer worth fighting, 
but they will be joined together. They'll be united as one. It's more than just the absence of warfare. It's the presence of compassion and love. The people will walk in the light of God. Those words were written thousands of years ago, and we humans have only ever had brief glimpses of such a time. It has never been fully realized. We cannot yet sustain it. But we know that this is how human life is designed to be, how it is meant to be, and how it can be. We are invited to keep that beautiful vision in our minds and to walk toward it in our personal relationships, in the way we make political choices and vote and protest and care, in the way that we pray, in the way that we speak, whether the person we're speaking to is someone close to us, someone we care about, or someone we fear. The season of Advent reminds us that our consumerist culture, our divisive politics, and all the sensationalist clickbait headlines are not the deepest or most enduring reality. The season invites us to pause intentionally and listen and watch for God's presence, not just when we come to church each week, but as we move through our days, remembering, reminding ourselves to pause and pay attention, not just for what is harmful, but for what is beautiful, for what is nurturing and good. In the darkness of the world's news, in the midst of the bright, superficial lights of cheer, sometimes the light of God is obscured, but we have a vision of what it is and what it can be. And we, invite, we are invited to turn our eyes both inward and upward for that true light that is love. And to keep ourselves ready to respond to it always. Our passage from Paul's letter to the church at Rome also invites us to the light. I want to focus just on the last, the last section of that long and complicated reading. We'll talk about paying attention to politics some other time. It invites us not just to see the light of God, but to clothe ourselves in it, to put it on as armor in the world. Now, Romans is justly famous as a deeply theological book. It parses nuances in belief and traces salvation history and looks at the, what is the right place of the Jewish community and the Christian community. But in this section, at the end of this chapter, Paul has turned to encouraging the people and teaching them how they should live together, reminding them that they belong to one another. The night, he writes, is far gone. The day is near. Christ will come. Goodness will erupt. So cast off works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. The Methodist pastor and poet Steve Garnis Holmes reflected on this passage this way. Confident that the graceful one is coming, not in a shower of stars to startle empires, but manger humble, and coming any moment 
be done with the hard armor of this world that disguises despair, that covers fear and self-doubt, the helmet of apathy and the breastplate of cynicism, the mail coat of not having to get involved, the shield of violence and domination. Instead, let this be your only armor, that you shine with light, that you are clothed in the beloved, not because it shields you from suffering, but because it gives you courage to love. In this, you yourself become a sign of the coming. And indeed, in this, the loving one comes. How, how do we clothe ourselves in light? Which sounds beautiful, but impossible. I have one suggestion, one practice, and I'm borrowing it from a beautiful book that I was reading over the weekend, over the week of Thanksgiving, written by Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, who met together for a week of conversation about how to have hope and joy in our world. And one of the practices that came out of that week-long discussion and I recommend the book highly to you. It's called The Book of Joy. It's a wonderful book for Advent reading. But one of the practices that they both, that they practiced together and with all of the people that were with them, because as you can imagine, when the Dalai Lama, the leader of all of the Tibetan Buddhists in the world, and Archbishop Desmond Tutu get together, it's a big event. There were lots of people with them. There were reporters, there were followers, there were translators. And in the midst of it all, these two persons who love and respect each other joined together to talk about what they had in common that they could offer to the world, a world that is seeking hope. I know I am. Hope and joy, and how to rest ourselves in the deepness of joy rather than the shallowness of frivolity and happiness. All of that is good, happiness is lovely, but it doesn't stay. And so they're inviting us into something that is deeper and sustaining and lasting. And one of the practices that they did together and invited all of those people who had joined and were on the edges of their conversation to practice with them is the ancient Buddhist tradition of the loving kindness meditation. So we're going to practice that here too. I invite you to do it here and to take it home with you. You don't need to practice it for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, at 20 minutes a day. You may, but you can also just pause as you go about your day and touch down into the practice of showing oneself compassion and extending compassion to the world. As we go through the process, you will see that we're invited to extend compassion first to a beloved, to ourselves, to a neutral person, and then to someone who is challenging for us. And when we practice that, from my belief and my understanding, that is how we put on the armor of light. When we practice how to interact with all people, those we love, those who are neutral, and those who frighten us, with compassion, acknowledging their humanity, and extending the heart of love to them, then we are light in the world. 
We, have, we are clothed with it, we are protected by it, and we are given the energy and the sustenance to extend it. So with that, I invite you to make your body quite comfortable. Put down whatever is bothering you. Wrap a sho- jacket around your shoulders if you're cold. And once you've got yourself physically comfortable, I invite you to take several long breaths. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. And just follow your breath. And now I invite you to bring into your mind someone you love very much, someone dear to you, a relative, a friend, a pet. See their face in your mind. Feel their presence. And notice how your heart feels. Feel whatever arises whether it is warmth and tenderness or affection. If no feelings arise, just stay with the thought of your beloved one. And as you think, and feel the presence, silently say the following to and about your beloved. May you be free from suffering. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you find peace and joy. Breathe in deeply, and as you breathe out, imagine a warm light coming from the center of your heart, carrying your love to your beloved, and bringing them the peace and joy you hope for them. Rejoice in the thought of your loved one's happiness. And now, if you are able, I invite you to remember a time when your loved one was having difficulties and suffering. Notice what it feels like in your body to experience their pain. Does your heart ache? Do you have that feeling of unease in your stomach? Do you long to rush and help? Simply notice your feeling and stay with it for a moment.
And then I invite you to silently offer the following phrases to your beloved. May you be free from suffering. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you find peace and joy. Imagine again that warm light emerging from the center of your heart and touching your beloved, easing their suffering. And now I invite you to think of a time when you experienced great difficulty or suffering in your life. Now, earlier in your life, even when you were a child. Place your hand on your heart and notice feelings of warmth and tenderness and caring toward yourself. Remember that just like all people, you want to be happy and free from suffering. And silently offer these phrases. May I be free from suffering. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I find peace and joy. Rest in the tenderness of our common humanity. And now I invite you to think of someone neutral in your life, someone you see at work or the store or the gym, not deeply connected. Reflect on the fact that just like all people, this person wants to be happy and free from suffering. Imagine that this person has been and will be faced with suffering, in conflict with a loved one, experiencing despair or grief, and allow your heart to feel warmth and tenderness and caring for this person, and urge to help them, although you do not know them well. I invite you to offer these phrases for them. May you be free from suffering. May you be healthy. May you be happy. 
May you find peace and joy. Remember that all over the world, in our common humanity, we are vulnerable to suffer suffering and seeking peace. In the tenderness of this space, fill your heart with the desire that everyone be free from suffering. I invite you to reflect on someone who is difficult for you, who frightens, or, or who has harmed you. To think of their frailty and humanity. And extend these phrases to them. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be happy. May all beings find peace and joy. Allow your heart to be filled with feelings of compassion, warmth, and tenderness for all the people you have gathered, your beloved, your neighbor, yourself, your perceived enemy, all woven together in a heart of care. Holy One, you come to us to teach us to be rooted and grounded in your love. May we find ourselves there and keep our eyes lifted up on your horizon, our hearts loving and strong and generous in the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Listen, listen, listen.